welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you're listening to this. This is from Checkered to Green, the podcast all about racing and when we can, the business aspects of it. Um, this is episode number nine. And this episode, we're going to try and break down um, a little bit of the uh, IMSA and World of Outlaws uh, heading into the 2021 season and a recap of 2020. With, all, with me, as always, is our, my two worthy colleagues, David Motti and Ryan Kolpak. David, good evening. Good evening, Elliot. How, how's things going with you? Things are chilly here, uh, at least weather-wise, but um, the, uh, the house is full of warmth and love, so um, I can't ask for anything more. Yeah, things are chilly up here. Oh, my temperature is about 17 degrees right now, and it's going to be a chilly weekend, but, you know, keeping warm here and just... You know, pass, letting the weekend play itself out. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. And, you know, to fill out the rounds between all three of us, also fairly chilly here in Buffalo, New York. It is currently a pretty unsurprising 14 degrees. But again, being January in Buffalo, you can't be all that surprised. Unless you're wearing, well, I'm not surprised because you're probably the one who's outside shoveling with shorts on. I can neither confirm nor deny any allegations regarding that. (laughs) It's not much warmer down here. We're sitting about 25 right now. Um, And uh, actually in the coming days, we're going to be staring down a a pretty decent ice storm, especially uh, west of the greater Raleigh area where I live um, and also north and west of uh, uh, the immediate Charlotte area as well. So uh, that, depending on how that does, it might actually have an impact on uh, some of the uh, NASCAR teams maybe deploying to Daytona. Um, We'll have to see what happens with that, but um, we're going to be kind of getting down to it uh, this coming weekend, I believe it is. it's either this coming weekend or next weekend. Um, they uh, is when the stock car portion of Speed Weeks gets going. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But um, yeah, even you know whatever it is, a thousand miles or whatever it is further south, uh, it's uh, not much warmer than it is uh, in the great state of New York. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's probably it, it's. Well, it's probably going to be after, let's see, we got, well, we got the Super Bowl, so the 7th, so yeah, the 13th, oh yeah, the 6th, yeah, they'll be going down there, yeah, yeah, Super Bowl weekend, right after Daytona, Fox will then transition, or Fox will be gearing up their broadcasting for the Daytona. Yep, yep, Clint Boyer and Jeff Gordon. Uh, be interesting to see how, uh, how that pair works yeah. together. Um, they've definitely been kind of hyping up their, uh, their, uh, past relationship where it was, uh, 
less than ideal, but uh, we'll see what happens with them here in the in the, the coming weeks. Clint Boyer, he's he's really entertaining, um, uh, just in general, and it it seems like it started to trans. It's at least some of that's translated to the broadcast booth. Hopefully, it keeps up. That would be pretty neat. Yeah. And, and also, congratulations to Jamie Little. She's actually going to get to do some ARCA play-by-play this year. Indeed. So, Indeed. Yep. you know, they're, they're, you know, probably it's, you know, I, I don't think they've had a, a female play-by-play announcer yet in, in auto racing. So, knock another barrier down and you know, maybe she, you know, she does well. Maybe she'll work up and eventually get up into the NASCAR level up in the booth. So congrats to her. Indeed. Progress. Progress. Yep. Um, so very good. Uh, so some, uh, some very positive developments here in, uh, in recent days and recent weeks. Um, and, so speaking of positives, we have um, uh, some things to talk about from the 24 hours of Daytona. Uh, they just did some, uh, some qualifying for the upcoming Rolex 24. And then we're also going to touch on the uh, championship standings from 2020, not only for IMSA, who are running in the Rolex 24 this coming weekend, but the World of Outlaws as well. So David, why don't you take it away? Thank you, Elliot. And yes, we are getting underway with racing. You know, we had the Chili Bowl. Now we've got the 24 Hours of Daytona coming up. We'll preview a little bit of that in our green segment. But they've actually did some qualifying. They did a new format this year for qualifying for IMSA. Mm -hmm. And the first format that they actually did this year is they used to do the roar before the 24 and you know it, it was a giant practice essentially it'd be a week before the 24 hours of daytona now uh imsa they're owned by nascar they decided to do something a little bit different this year they decide to do essentially a a qualifying race in the roar before the 24 kind of like formula one style if you think about it um you know go out in the practice go get some qualifying laps it's not individual everybody goes out um formula one does it indycar does this on the road courses you know they go out at groups and and do it so they did that and you know it was about you know each group got you know, seven to nine laps total. And the, the qualifying results came in and we've got DPI Daytona prototype international DPI, the Wheeland engineering racing, the 31 took the pole. Massimo sports is second couple nobles. Chip Ganassi's return was fourth. Jimmy Johnson Retired from NASCAR, doing some sports car racing, going to do some IndyCar road courses. His team, the Ally Kalec Racing, was seventh. Penske Racing, not doing IMSA this year. Um, so, but coming in their spot, Ganassi, LMP2, Le Mans Pro Type 2, P2, 
PR one. Matheson Motorsports took the pole and going to flank them on the outside. High class racing. Dragon Speed was eight, eighth and ninth. Another notable team. And then an LMP3, Le Mans Pro Type 3, Mulliner Motorsports America, and 47 Motorsports are your top two. Riley Motorsports rounds out sixth and seventh. GTM Le Mans, Grand Touring Le Mans. BMW Team RLL took the front row, followed by Corvette Racing. And then Reese. Competizone and WeatherTech Racing round out the top six, and then the most cars in the in the twenty four hours is going to be GTD Grand Touring Daytona, Wright Motorsports and AF Course took the front two. Couple Nobles Sun Energy one was tenth. Vassar Sullivan twelfth and thirteenth. And then another noble heart of racing team was was fifth. So that takes your that takes your qualifying for this. And as we said, they're going to end up um, running the twenty four hours of Daytona this weekend. We'll preview a little more of that. But let's talk about the IMSA Championship, Elliot. You want to talk a little about that? I sure can. Um, so the 2020 uh, IMSA championship, uh, like uh, pretty much all other um, uh, sporting uh, events, sporting sanctioning bodies, um, was impacted by COVID. Um, and so the schedule was, was moved around and edited and altered quite a bit. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, they were able to get, um, I believe, nine races total um in the books um at least for the uh, daytona prototypes um i believe they had uh 10 or 11 for the gt le mans um so at the end of the 2020 season um the number seven acura for team penske um took home the uh, team championship um, on the back of four wins and one runner-up uh, finish uh, over the number 10 Conica uh, Minolta Cadillac um, and the number 55 Mazda Motorsports entry. Um, the Whelan uh, Engineering Cadillac effort of number 31 car, they were fourth uh, and the number five uh, JDC Miller Motorsports for Mustang Sampling Racing. Uh, uh, that Cadillac entry rounded up the top five. Um, for the Le Mans Prototype 2, um, the number 52 PR1 for uh, Matthias and Motorsports uh, took home the championship there. Uh, the famed number three Corvette Racing for uh, uh, the number th famed number three Corvette racing entry um, took home the championship for the GT Le Mans division um, with a solid five win, three runner up uh, effort this season. And then in GT Daytona, the number 86 Meyer Shank racing with curb 
uh, Agajanian entry, um, the Acura um, took home the, the championship in that division as well. They definitely had, I mean, for the short season they had, they, they definitely ran a lot of good races. I watched some of them. I, I did catch a little of the 24 hours of Daytona. I did catch when uh, the, I believe it was GTLM and GTD ran um, Charlotte, ran the Roval at Charlotte. That was a good race. That was in pouring rain. Uh, that was coincided with the NASCAR weekend. I was about to say that that had to have been uh, during the NASCAR weekend as well. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, it was pouring rain. I mean, you, you saw the Xfinity race and these, you know, these Xfinity drivers, you know, did, you know, slip and sliding, didn't know how to handle torrential downpour. And you watch these guys and they're like, taking it with ease like it was it was night and day literally night and day um between the the that rate those races but and, and i watched some of sebring and sebring was good and i saw the end of it as well and that was that was a good good race this year sebring was and it was a good way to round up the seat or end the season and hey they're they're kicking it off at Daytona, so that's it's going to be a really good good year for them. Yep, um, forty nine entries in the uh, the twenty twenty one Rolex twenty four as well, mm -hmm. um, and um, we were talking about the uh, the qualifying before, um, and that being uh, run in the form of a uh, uh, one hundred minute race this time yeah. around um and there being a little bit of uh drama after the uh, checkers in the form of the pole winning car the uh, number 31 wheel and en uh, engineering entry um uh, at least one of the drivers there suggesting that um the other manufacturers uh, accurate and mazda uh, may not have uh put a hundred percent um uh, effort into um, into their uh, their qualifying effort. Um, so. I, I, I how that that just baffles me because I heard that and you look at the times. So they say, oh, they didn't put a hundred percent in in their effort. Okay, so look at the breakdown of of them. Wheeling wheel engineering racing the thirty one. Their fastest lap came on at lap five with a minute and 34.311 seconds, 135.891 miles per hour. Mazda was one third, was a minute 34.442. They did this on lap six, both ran seven laps, so the top two. And their speed was 135.702 miles per hour. The slowest one out there, everyone was 135. The only one who was slowest out there was Jimmy Johnson's team, which was Johnson and Kobayashi. I, this is Johnson's like 
I know I I know he's ran the twenty four before, but this is his first time at like a, a a real commitment to the season. So I don't blame him for being two mile per hour slower. I think he put his hundred percent effort in. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a different ball game. And, and and you know Johnson, he's going to he, he's like any good driver. And as much as I was not a fan of Johnson, I, I give him the credit for this. He knew, he knows what to do with the race car. He gives great feedback. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Um... Absolutely, David. And it's also worth noting, too, that um, there's it, um, the DPI field, especially this year, is, is pretty loaded with um, some well-known driving talent, um, maybe not necessarily in the, uh, the world of IMSA, but um, in, in other um, forms of motorsport, absolutely. Um, it's also worth noting that Kevin Magnuson, uh, the former yeah. Haas F1 driver, um, was the qualifying driver for the number zero one um, Chip Ganassi racing effort. Um, yeah. And so uh, coming from Formula One to IMSA, um, like you talked about for Jimmy Johnson, coming from NASCAR over to, um, to IMSA and to road racing, um, their IndyCar um, on more of a, a dedicated basis in mm-hmm. 2021, uh, some of these folks have a, have a little bit of uh, a learning curve ahead of them. Yeah. So that's uh, definitely part of it, I think. Most certainly. Well, how about we switch from the road course to some dirt racing? Let's get dirty. Let's do it. All right. So the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars this year, they got 54 races and they kicked their season off, had to go on hiatus start to come back, modify the schedule. They got back into racing and 54 events and watch out. There's a new threat on the horizon. Brad Sweet claims his second championship in a row. He two in a row. He had eight wins, 37 top fives, 46 top tens. Pretty consistent this year. Logan Schuhart was second, uh, seven wins, 35 top fives, 46 top tens. Uh, he was about 46 points out. Uh, Donnie Schatz, who w- pretty much has been on a tier, and I think I heard this year he's going for his 300th career win. Uh, most wins among active drivers. He was, he was third. Uh, five wins, 24 top fives, 43 top tens. Uh, we then have Jack Hollenchild's son, Sheldon Hollenchild, was fourth. Um, I'll mention something quick. Jack Hollenchild did announce that he is uh, he is retiring. So kudos to him on an awesome career and enjoy retirement. Maybe he's, you know, he gives some feedback to help develop his son into what 
he did. His son's are got has some really good talent. Carson Macedo was fifth. Uh, one win on the year, 14 top fives for two top tens. David Gravel driving for the late, um, has the late Jason Johnson car. Um, it's the Jason Johnson racing with six. He got seven wins this year. Um, 30 top fives for two top tens. He missed a few events. Darren Pittman was seventh, one win, 12 top fives, 30 top tens. Jacob Balin was eighth. He had a win this year, seven top fives, 18 top tens. Price Parker Miller was ninth. He got a win this year, five uh, top fives, 23 top tens. And then Craig Kinzer, uh, the king of the outlaws' son, Craig, uh, Steve Kinzer, his son, uh, Craig Kinzer, finished 10th. Um, no wins this year, one top five, uh, 11 top tens, and he entered 54 events, but he only started 46. Um, a couple other notes, Kyle Larson, 12 wins this year. Um, after he left NASCAR, he jumped in. He was eight, he was 17th in points. Uh, Dominic Selzy, um, he's um, the Selzy in um, NHRA son, um, Gary Selzy. Gary Selzy, thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, was 19th, he's been running. A uh, couple other names. Uh, Brent Marks ran this year. Dan Munch run much. Geo Selzy, Gary Selzy's other son, ran a few races this year. And then I heard this year um, Rico Abreu, uh, who yep. finished 32nd, partnered with, I believe it was... Um, was it sides I heard? I think it is. I, I think it's sides, but Rico Abreu is going into team ownership this year for the outlaws. So that'll be really cool. We'll see how he does as a team owner. So yep. well, he brings a, um, a race winning pedigree mm -hmm. to, uh, to the world of ownership and, uh, he's riding a, a lot of momentum um, off of the um, off of the Chili Bowl and a really solid effort there. Um, so we'll see what happens, um, but uh, but hopefully good things for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely hope. Um, I you know I definitely you know wish him good luck for that and. You know, all, you know, as we said, you know, Jack Holland Child, good luck to him on, on retirement. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of we'll kind of see who's going to, you know, step into those shoes eventually. Mm -hmm. So uh, thoughts about the about the outlaw season. Um, well, the fact that they were able to put 54 events on. Um, is a, you know a testament to um, to that series as well, um, and that you had so many that uh, came out to attempt all fifty four mm -hmm. um, is uh, equally impressive as well. Um, 
it would be interesting to see. Um, and granted, we know uh, the circumstances uh, that led to this and also um, his background, but it would be interesting to see what would happen if Kyle Larson were to attempt the full, whether or not he would um, win the championship because uh, being able to rack up 12 wins in 27 events um, that he had entered is pretty impressive. Um, and so, uh, uh, so there is that, but um, you also had uh, some other well-known uh, racers in there as well. Casey Kane, Sammy Swindell um, put in uh, some effort to uh, put in some entries this year. So, um, yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, Brad Sweet, um, who is uh, an excellent racer himself um, and put together, you know, what would um, win a championship in, in most other, um, uh, most other series. He had a lot of wins, but he had many, many more top fives and top tens. Mm -hmm. And that's what you got to do. You got to get, get the wins, but you got to have the consistency as well. And uh, he definitely brought both of those together. Um, I believe Casey Kane may own that car as well. Um, so for for Sweet, yes, yeah. Kane Kane owns Sweet's car. Um, Stewart owns a Chats car, and I just looked. I got some clarification off of the NBC Sports about Han Child. So it is, this will be Han Child's final year. So it looks like what happened was that Rico Abreu got released from his own racing. And he was, it, it began with a tweet saying, release from we, we, uh, Rico Abreu racing and seeking new opportunities. Han Child came out talked about he's going to retire. Um, he's had 70 outlaw victories. He's deciding, and he's going to pilot Rico Abreu racing number 24 for 25 events. And I think that led to Abreu this week. Um, partnering and i think it was with sides i i can't confirm or deny that uh, would, i'll have to come back and take a look but some big nobles this year in this nine uh, in this season coming up um dying shots is chasing 300 wins logan shuhart who's bobby allen's grandson um Needs seven wins to match his grandfather's 30 wins. And then there's about four guys trying to go for their first win. So should be a good year this year. Very cool. Well, um, to healthy seasons for both the World of Outlaws and for the IMSA series. Um, so that is our checkered segment for this week. Um, we're going to head back to the garage and regroup. Um, but for now, 
Uh, here is Ryan with some information about our Facebook and Twitter pages. This is From Checker to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you enjoying the content? Feel free to jump in and join the conversation. Join us on our Facebook or Twitter pages at From Checker to Green podcast. A particular segment that you enjoy? Tell us about it. Any topic or piece of information you'd like us to cover? Feel free to let us know. It's your feedback that helps drive the show. So we're always looking forward to hearing from our listeners. And now, back to From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Now this episode, we're going to get into our spotlight segment where we break down the schedules for the IMSA and World of Outlaws series for 2021. And as with other sanctioning, uh, with other racing uh, organizations this year, um, number one, there's hope for something close to normalcy this year. Um, and then also with that, uh, returning back to um, some familiar events and some well-known events and some exciting events. So with that, let's uh, first get into IMSA and talk about the schedule for the 2021 season, David. Well, certainly indeed, Elliot. And the, looking at the schedule, we know IMSA's already kicked it off with the roar before the t Rolex 24 at Daytona. They did their qualifying. Well, coming up next is the 24 hours at Daytona this weekend. Then they got Sebring, Mid-Ohio, De Detroit Grand Prix, which I believe is with the IndyCar event. Yep. And then a biggie, um, it's the sale in six hours of the Glen, which is actually now at the end of July. Mobile sports car. June. Uh, June, sorry. Yes. Yep. My, my apologies. June. Um, going into the 4th of July weekend, that's usually a big one. Mm -hmm. Then they've got Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, Lime Rock, Road America, uh, Virginia Air National Raceway, which is a very interesting race to watch. Then Laguna Seca, Long Beach when they're with the IndyCars. And then finally, the Petit Le Mans at Road Atlanta. Gentlemen, I'm looking at this, and let's kind of get some thoughts about this. We know these are going to be endurance races. I think the shortest one is the Long Beach Grand Prix, which is uh, 100 minutes. Mm -hmm. The longest one is the 24 Hours of Daytona. What you guys' thoughts this year on the season? Ryan, would you like to start? Certainly. Well, again, as you mentioned earlier, Elliot, it's good to get that sense of, you know, somewhat normalcy back into everyday life and the racing season being no different. And I always look forward to watching the 24 hours of Daytona as that really puts, you know, especially for, you know, local instead of the international races, the iron and iron man racing and never disappoints. That's for certain. And nice uh, variety of tracks this year, I have to say. And 
you know, bigger names out there. And it's good to see a couple of those linking up together with uh, IndyCar events. I think those should prove themselves to be most entertaining. I think the, the schedule is pretty straightforward, um, and especially compared to, uh, to past years. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, we get all these events um, uh, to occur as scheduled. Um, given everything that's going on still, but um, it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's um, good to see all of the, the events that we have come to know and love uh, from the IMSA series um, make their returns and make their returns at um, the specific times of year where they, they normally are, are located. Um, so, um, same thing with, uh, 12 hours of Sebring. That's going to be another good one as well. Um, I'm looking forward to, um, to the 24 hour, probably most of all, but, um, uh, there's something to be said about the, the six hours at the Glen. Uh, that's, that's going to be a fun one. And then, uh, two hours and 40 minutes at Lime Rock. Um, if ever there is a road course race that feels like a bull ring, it is this one. Um, it's, I believe, 1.53 miles. No, excuse me, 1.50 miles in, in track length now, um, with seven corners and uh, you know who knows how many uh, entries um, of all different uh, uh, class types uh, there. So that's going to be an interesting one as well, and uh, uh, really unforgiving racing lines at, at points. Um, especially going through the, uh, through the carousels, uh, uh, turn one into, uh, turn two. That's, that's an interesting part of the racetrack. So, um, and many moments have been had, uh, interesting moments have been made there for sure. Um, and then after that, you've got the longest race of the year at Road America, excuse me, uh, Road, yeah, Road America yep. in, uh, Wisconsin. So, um, uh, that'll be an interesting one too, just to, kind of see everybody stretch their legs out and uh, let it howl over a four mile course. I'm, I know I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the 24 hours of Daytona. That's a, you know, that, that, that's definitely a staple. It, you know, it just kicks off everything at, you know, speed weeks coming and, and kicks off the racing season. I, I'm definitely looking for that. Sebring, I think, will be really interesting this year. It, it'll be it'll be interesting because they they do a twenty four hour race at Daytona, and then they gotta do half that about a couple months later. I I am looking forward to the six hours of Glen. I hope they have that. It's a race I would love to always go see because. The tickets you get, you can walk anywhere. You can watch anything. You can go sit in the boot. They use the boot. They use different, you know, it, it, it's just more challenging with the boot for them. And it's a six-hour event. It's a good weekend. They start at like 9 o'clock and end in the afternoon. Uh, the other one I'm looking forward to is the Grand Prix of Long Beach. That should be really interesting this year. 
for them. I think that's going to be a, a great race. Elliot, you mentioned um, Lime Rock being a bullring. The Long Beach course is a street course, and that can be a, a bullring as well. A very tight street course. It, it coincides with the Indy cars. So it, it's really good racing there. And then I think the Petit Le Mans will, will be interesting this year. It's a good way to close out the championship, a nice 10-hour endurance race. And if anything comes like what happened this season or, or last season, it's going to be very, very interesting when it comes down to not only driver championship but team championship because the individual drivers – depending on how many races they won, one guy may win it while their teammate may be hanging back or or running different cars. So it's going to be very interesting this year, but it's a good schedule. I'll take that. Indeed. Well, not only that, but the world of outlaws are coming back and I'll kind of touch on, we'll, we'll kind of talk about, the world of outlaw sprint cars, but also the world of outlaw late miles have come back and we've got some schedules that have returned the world of outlaws. I'm not going to go through every single race. Um, the sprint cars, it's 91 races this year across many States. Uh, some of their points, according to the website, some of the big things that they've got, they, their new track Magnolia, Motor Speedway. That's in a few weeks, February 19th and then February 20th. They're at Revolution um, Park Speedway. Vado Speedway is a new track. I-70. They visited that track. Um, they go back to Odessa, Missouri. They haven't visited that track since the 1980s. Um, Dixie Speedway returns. They do the short dirt track at Talladega. They do have a West Coast swing this year, just like NASCAR, where they go to Vegas and California. They do a fall swing on the West Coast, uh, which includes Grays Harbor, the Gold Cup at Silver Dollar, which is a big event, Keller Auto Speedway. Um, They go to Sharon Speedway which is May 22nd. That's one of the three Ohio tracks. They do a, they do do a New York tour. They lost their New York tour last year, two races, back-to-back nights, Ryan out near you in Ransomville and then out near me at Weedsport and then the crown jewels. I mean, you talk about the dirt car nationals that you have that are coming up, but the other crown jewels, Jackson Nationals, the Knoxville Nationals, and I've got some interesting news about that. The Kings Royal, two race, two Kings Royals. Tony Stewart wants to run a double Kings Royal in the same week this year. That will be interesting. Williams Grove, the Jackson Nationals, 100 grand on the line. For the Jackson Nationals, if the driver can win the finale of the Hutsitz 50, 
taken place a day ahead of the national. So if you win both races, you get a hundred grand. The 60th Knoxville nationals will pay a potential 200 grand to the winner with each lap paying one grand to the driver that leads it. And the purses increase to winners getting 10 grand in each event. But some other key um, points on the sprint car schedule, April 17th, Devil's Bowl. As we mentioned, Williams Grove, that May 14th and 15th. Terror Hot, uh, May 28th. Uh, it's around, I believe that's around Memorial Day weekend uh, this year. So if you're if they have fans at the Indy 500, hey, Friday night, go do Friday, go see Carb Day, get, get out, you know, speed out to Terre Haute and see some wonderful outlaw racing. You got the Knoxville Nationals. They go Beaver Dam, Hussets on the schedule, good track. Um, you also got Silver Dollar, as I mentioned. No Canadian tracks this year, just due to the fact, due to COVID. Um, they usually do go to Ashwaken Speedway. If I butchered that, forgive me. Someone correct me down the road on that. Um, they usually run a Canadian um, race, but that's not happening this year because of COVID. And then World of Outlaws. They bump their purses. They've got, oh, and the Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia. I apologize, but the full schedule for Volusia this year, or not Volusia, for the World of Outlaws, Volusia, some quick notes. I think they've got 50-some races. They're going to Bristol. Oh, that's the other thing, World of Outlaws at Bristol. I do apologize. I forgot they added them to that. And that uh, is a different um, weekend than yeah. when NASCAR goes out there. Um, so uh, NASCAR will be there for their dirt weekend at Bristol in late March. Yeah. And the World of Outlaws goes out there um, almost a month to the day later. Yeah. Yeah. In April. And they'll, they'll be interesting. I believe uh, they, they do have Williams Grove on the schedule this year for the late miles. Uh, one trip up to New York's uh, busty New York state line speedway. They, and like always, both series are going to finish with the world finals championship uh, racing at the Can-Am world finals in November at the dirt track in Charlotte. So some races to highlight this year for both series guys what do you think about the series about these schedules um well i'll confess to uh not being um overly proficient on the uh, the dirt schedule um but with that said um we know that uh 2020 had some major impacts on um some of these major events and the fact that uh, they're talking about trying to run two Kings Royals because if I remember right, they uh, were unable to run one last year. Yeah. So um, 
that they're trying to run two, uh, two of them, uh, you know, one to make up for last year in addition to the 2021 edition um, kind of speaks to that. Um, so that's going to be um, a very interesting and very entertaining uh, series of events, I think. And then in addition to that, you have, um, you know, the Knoxville Nationals as well. Um, and all of the, um, the history and, and the tradition that comes with that, uh, that race, uh, the world final in Charlotte is always a big deal too. Um, and then we talked about Bristol before that's, uh, that's, that's a big one as well. Um, so just, um, uh, a number of, um, really cool and really, uh, a number of really cool, but also kind of adjusted marquee events for this coming year. Um, yeah. I'm not aware of any um, rule changes for the World of Outlaws going into 2021. So uh, hopefully that provides the teams a little bit of consistency, maybe allows them to save a little money um, on uh, having to uh, rebuild or adjust their cars uh, yeah. to uh, uh, accommodate uh, any new rules packages doesn't sound like they'll have to do that this year. So that'll be very good news for them. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like a, a really busy uh, schedule for them, um, which based on, on last year and everything that happened then, uh, the fact that they were able to get 54 events in um, in 2020 kind of speaks to um, how full their schedule is. So yeah. um, we'll definitely be interesting to, uh, to keep up on. And um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, Ryan, your, your quick thoughts. I've got one final point about the outlaws, about the sprint cars, but you gotta say. Yeah, honestly, I'm pretty impressed with the size of their schedule this year, especially, you know, still being, you know, working our way through the COVID thing. But you gotta give them a lot of credit for being able to fit out a schedule that well, and you know, the fans are going to be 100 percent behind that and. Anytime that they'll be able to show up, you know they will. They're always good for it. And if I had to pick one race out of this schedule that I think I'm the most stoked for, I think I'd have to give it to the Bristol Throwdown. If for no other reason, just picturing the sprint cars running around the track at Bristol, it puts a smile on my face. Well said. And I got to say one one thing and and the nice thing about the outlaws is whether late miles or the sprint cars they've only got probably maybe 15 20 guys who get committed to the entire season but they get a lot of local drivers who attempt these races i mean i mean except i mean you look at knoxville where they have to do two nights of qualifying because they've got a hundred and some plus cars there. But my one thought was about Bristol and I'm a little concerned about this. It, it, I don't know if you guys remember when they first did Bristol in the two thousands, the, the world of outlaws did. And this is when um, the national network or, yeah, which eventually became Spike TV, which eventually fizzled out. Uh, used to have auto racing, and TNN had it. 
and they would cover some World of Outlaw events, and they did Bristol. And the, the one issue the World of Outlaw drivers had is they had to cut an angle on their front, on the on the le- on the left side front wing, right in the front, because Bristol is so banked with thirty six degrees banking, they couldn't. They had trouble seeing, so I think it's going to be very interesting. It will be interesting to see if this becomes a yearly event. It was not popular back then. It was literally a disaster because a lot of drivers were were not pleased with it. Because they had to adjust the, they had to make that cut in the wing. So I, you know, and, and the outlaws do run on bank tracks. I mean, Fulton's banked, um, Eldor's banked, but not as banked as Bristol. So I think that's going to be very interesting this year to see how that unfolds. Yes, sir. Um, and uh, so there's, you said there's, um, uh, they had to make some changes to the, the front of the car um, for some of these higher banked and higher speed um, tracks. Do they have to, um, and again, this, I'll, I'll confess, I'm not 100% familiar with these, uh, uh, with the world of battle law sprint cars, but um, does it take them some time to, um, adjust the, uh, the the bodies and the wings to um, accommodate uh, some of these other tracks uh, that aren't so high banked. Well, uh, well, especially given kind of the close proximity of events that that uh, they have to go to from track to track. Well, with, with the World of Outlaws, some of the big things that they have to do is, is if you take a, I mean, if you look at, they can adjust the the wing angle, and and that helps with their downforce and everything. You know, just like a, you know, a race car, you know, you adjust the NASCAR, you might adjust the spoiler, you know, IndyCar, you may adjust the rear wing or or the wings. They, they adjust the, the, the wing on top for, for their, their downforce. And, you know, but they don't have to make a cut in a wing at like a track like Eldora or or Fulton Bristol they had to because they just could not see I mean if you're looking at a world of outlaw when they slide what's the driver doing the driver's always you know turning his head towards the track he's he's looking in you know when they're going the corner so that was an issue it was a sight restriction at Bristol but some of the changes, I mean, I know they got to rebuild the engines. And this is why you only have maybe 15, 20 guys committed to a full season. And you're picking up a lot of one-timers and that is because of the cost. Because they go through tires so much. They, you know, they probably only get a few races out of the tires. After a few races, they have to go get send the engine to get rebuilt they have to rebuild the engine so i mean tires engine travel 
you're you're hauling you know so a lot of these events um just don't you know get a lot more local people it's because of the cost that that factors into it plus you gotta pay for the fuel you gotta you know pay for your meals hotel your budgets are really tight you know if you wreck a car you know if you're a local guy you wreck it you or or you're a guy who's not committed who maybe only has one car for the season you may be missing four five six events you know just uh just to get back in there you know to rebuild you know some of these shops have a couple cars some only have one i mean that was the thing about rico abreu was they i was listening to the open red podcast with uh, the which is the world of outlaw podcast which is a really good podcast they talked to a bunch of drivers and i'll probably get back listening to that with the season getting under the way now but Rico Abreu said, I don't commit to the world of outlaws because it's just too much. It's just too much cost. He -hmm. goes, and and it it limits me. You know, they may go run a race at, let's say, I-80 Speedway or Hussets, or they're coming up to Weedsport, and there may be out in Arizona or California, a 50 grand sprint car race or a 20 grand, mm-hmm. you know, or higher ping. That's where he's going. He, he could, he just picks and chooses the events he wants to run because he knows where the bigger purse is. So you, you kind of, you kind of get these, um, let's say these shoestring budget drivers out there um my my dad said the best is the the car he works on his buddy um who races i you know it's a shoestring budget you know it's just go out there when you can run here and there and that's how it's always been you know maybe try to compete for a championship but you know it, it's just run where you can and, and pick a class and, and choose. And I think that's something what a lot of these lower teams have to do. So I, I answer your question, Elliot. Yes, it does. Okay. Just want to make sure. Mm-hmm. So with that said, we've got actually a, a break coming up here. We've actually got to get the car prepped because we are about to take the green. This is from Checker to Green Podcast. From Checker to Green Podcast, we'll be right back. Are you going to come up with a design for your business or you want to give your business a new look to give yourself a leg up on your competition? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has all the offers and services that you need to make your business stand out among your competitors. From logos to business cards to letterheads, 
all the services and design requirements that you need can be found at Samurai Graphics. If you're interested, consider contacting Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Welcome back, Grace fans. The green is in the air, and we are kicking off this green segment with the 24 Hours of Daytona preview. This race is coming up, and and gentlemen, let's talk a little road course racing here with the preview. We went through the qualifying results earlier. Just to give some preview about this, the race actually starts on Sunday, or sorry, Saturday at 3.30 p.m. And, and uh, between 3.30 and 4, racing coverage is on NBC. Um, it's a 24-hour race. It should be done 24 hours after they start when they take the green. Usually probably, I think, think probably between 334 they usually take the green but to give some info on this and talk about it, you can listen to it on NIMSA radio you can it's supposed to be nice um Elliot have you seen the weather forecast down there yet um I have not um but I can look real quick okay um while you're while you're looking for that, I'm just gonna talk about racer.com had a a good racer guide to this. Um, you can get the spotter guide if you go there. It breaks down the the classes. Just a little note, um, how the cars look. If you want to know what class they're in, take a look by the number, the color of the number, the box, the color of the box. They all have white numbers, but if it's a black box, that's your Daytona prototype. Your Le Mans prototypes have blue boxes. Um, that's the LP, uh, LMP2. LMP3 have orange boxes. Um, GTM Le Mans will have red boxes. And GT Daytonas will actually have green boxes. But you can also go to imsa.com take a look at the timing and scoring so you can watch it on the phone listen online if you're going to watch it on tv the preview is um nbc 3 30 to 4 30 that saturday then they kick over to nbc sports 4 30 to 8 that's the app um if you don't have the the track pass you're going to be out of luck. I do apologize from 8 to 11. So that might be a good time to listen to AMSA radio. From 11 to midnight, it's back on NBC Sports. Actually, from 11 a.m. or from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. the following morning, it's on NBC Sports. Back on the app from 3 to 6 a.m. You can listen to online. NBC Sports from 6 to 2 and then 2 to 4 on NBC so if you're a diehard fan and you're you're gonna watch it um, and, and burn the midnight oil 
you, you might have to jump around here and there. Um, if you're going to catch you here and there, you know, pick your, pick the channel you're going to watch, or if you want and you're busy, listen to it online. Um, what do you got an idea of the weather down there, Elliot? Yes. So it's going to be, um, generally dry for the entire event. Um, maybe, um, a slight chance of some uh, showers uh, or thunder showers uh, late, um, but otherwise uh, it's going to be um, a dry and uh, seasonable, maybe on the warm side of seasonable um, uh, weather for uh, for the event. So a, a, um, a couple of things here. One of the thoughts is, you know, we, we were talking about and looking at the, the, starting guide beforehand that the qualifying lineup and you know i i think it's going to be interesting i think it's going to be really good battles it, it should be a good race i'd like to see how johnson does this year and magnuson i'd like to see how ganassi does in this race i i'm gonna take a bet i think wheeling engineering is probably going to be the one who may win this race but I think it's going to be good, especially when DPI and LMP classes start catching the GTM classes. I think it's going to make some really interesting racing this weekend. And I look forward to the driver changes and just a couple notables. Um, you know, most cars have two drivers, but for this event, a lot of teams bring three to four drivers because they have to do the shifts. Scott Dixon in for Chip Ganassi. IndyCar driver Sebastian Bourdais going to run. You've got Alexander Rossi and Helio Castroneves on the same team for the Conicom Minolta. Chase Elliott's running. Mike Conway. Let's see. Who else we got? Juan Pablo Montoya. AJ Allmendinger are awesome running. Dylan. Yep, Austin Dillon, Jimmy Johnson, Simon Pagino. Cody Ware. Yep, Cody Ware. Uh, let's see. I'm looking. Yep, Austin Dillon, Cody Ware actually on the same team this year for this race. Let's see. Gabby Chavez. Yep, Gabby Chavez is going to be in there. Uh, I'm trying to see. You've got uh, Oliver Askew and Spencer Pickett. Uh, they're going to yes. be sharing a uh, LMP3 car as well. Yeah, for Riley Motorsports. Yep. You've also, looking here, I'm just scrolling through. you got uh, Jack Hawksworth um, yep. on a GTD. You've got J.R. Hildebrand on another GTD. Yeah. Um, you got Ryan Briscoe um, in a GTD car. Um, and... Uh, uh, I think he's been here for some Zach, time. But... Zach Veach, Zach Veach and Townsend yep. Bell are are running. You know, Townsend Bell normally does the NBC broadcasts, but he decided to, um, you know, when he races for Vassar Sullivan, he kind of you know jumps in here and there. Yeah, a lot of good drivers. It, it definitely brings everyone out for it. So it it should be a good should be a good race this year. Mm -hmm. The other 
the other thing we got coming up is right a- is after this is you have the Dirt Car Nationals, which start February 2nd through and essentially go up to the night before the Daytona 500. This is your precursor to Speed Weeks at Daytona. It's the 50th anniversary, and and you got everything. I mean, you you talk about Florida being racing big. I mean, you get the 24 hours, you get sport car, you get dirt racing, sandwich in between, and then to to put the topping on it, you get Daytona, which is going to be the Daytona 500. So the Dirt Car Nationals, Outlaws, sprint car, Outlaw Sprint Cars, Outlaw uh, Late Miles, the, the All-Star Circuit of Champions, which is Tony Stewart's Sprint Car Series, the Super Dark Car Series, Big Block Modified, Dirt Car Late Miles, Dirt Car UMP Modified, and it's the fastest half mile at Volusia Speedway Park. The world's fastest half mile. Um, I, I, I know they say the world's fastest half mile, but um, thought another day. Um, I'm sorry, but we're, Rolling Wheels Raceway was one of the fastest racetracks with the sprint cars doing 150. But another thought, another day. But yeah, I mean, if you want, you've got it pick your you know pick your racing and literally it's from 10 a.m to 7 p.m uh, 7 p.m's racing they usually open the grandstands around five looking at the schedule this year for the dirt car nationals i believe it's the i believe it's actually the late miles go, then the outlaws, then I think the super dirt car series, and then the all star circuit of champions, and then it's usually the modifieds and late the the rest of the series. But uh, it's it's usually one series races a few nights, then it's the next series, then it's the next one, then it's the next one, then it's the next one. So it's a great two weeks of racing, and. Uh, do you have you guys heard what what they get when they win this? What the trophy is? I'm looking at their website. I think it's an alligator. Uh, I saw the same thing. Yeah, it's an alligator. You got to hand it to them. That's creative genius. Oh yep. yeah. So Keep Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just um, just uh, just hope that um, you, you you don't get the live one. That is true. So I I do have the breakdown of the schedule here. So February 2nd, it's the UNP modified. Then it's a sprint car open practice. And then you've got the all-star circuit of champions and the UNP modifieds running the third and the fourth, the fifth, the world of our, the world of outlaw sprint cars, and then the UNP modifieds. And then the Outlaw Sprints, again with the Modifieds, Outlaw Sprints and Modifieds, that's 5th, 6th, and 7th. The 8th, it's the Dirt Car Late Miles and the UMP Modifieds. The ninth is the Dirt Car Late Miles and the Super Dirt Car Series. 
and then the tenth through the thirteenth, it's the World of Outlaw Late Miles and the Super Dirt Car Series, and that leads you up to the the Super Bowl of NASCAR, the Daytona Five Hundred. So, a lot of good events, and it is so good to see racing underway. Yes, sir. And. One other news, I know we were talking about a couple episodes ago about the IndyCar series. Breaking news, we talked about Marco Andrea. I want to get you guys quick thoughts about this before we go into our final thoughts. James Hinchcliffe, back full-time, and he's back with Andrea Racing. He's going to drive the number 29. I've heard that it's a full season. He's going to be teammates to Hunter Ray, Rossi, and Herda. Hinchcliffe's going to have Genesis as the sponsor. We all know what happened last year when, um, or at the end of 2019, when James Hinchcliffe lost his ride. It was a bad moment. Uh, It was a a mess with... um, Schmidt Pearson and McLaren and, and what the fallout through that uh, that happened with him losing his ride due to a, a you know a mess up on publicity and, and doing the ESPN bot issue. But glad to see Hinchcliffe back. I think it's really good. He's he brings a lot of good momentum to the team. You know, I, I want to say Marco, who I want to get your guys' thoughts on this really quick. Marco, who was essentially riding on the name, who really struggled and decided to walk away based on that, knowing that he just wasn't having the success that maybe he should have. Um. I, I think this is good for Andre. I think Kevin Hinch is going to be a good game player because he brings that good atmosphere and he works with everyone. Not like when Danica was there. Um, I think Tony Kanan had his issues there, but I I think this is really good for Hinchcliffe. And I think it's good for Andre. What's your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, Hinchcliffe seems like a, a pretty easygoing person um, and a, a- pretty easy person to work with um and he's really good behind the wheel too um you know he's he's got the record to back it up so um you put those things together and it's the perfect um uh the perfect entry for that car and so uh hopefully some some big things come of it this year yeah maybe an indie win that would be really cool. That that would be. Ryan, your quick thoughts on that? So I have to agree with the two of you. The positive atmosphere that Hinchcliffe brings wherever he goes, I think will do nothing but benefit Andretti's team. And I'm pretty sure the rest of the teams, when they heard that, realized we can't sleep on that team because that's the sort of addition to a team that can bring wins. Yeah, that, that it mostly is. that. That's, I mean... That that certainly is. I I mean, it's it's like when Weldon was with Andretti. I mean, what Weldon brought to that team. So glad to see Hinchcliffe back, and 
I I'll be ruined for him this year. I know my wife will be. She she followed him on Dancing with the Stars, so we will. I at least I can get her watching IndyCar race this year finally. That's <laughs> always cool. take the victories where you get them. Yeah. So with that said, gentlemen, we've got some final thoughts. And Elliot, you want to kick us off with this? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we've been doing here in, in recent episodes is kind of touching on um, uh, individual topics and uh, having a, a little bit of a roundtable discussion with it. Um, and so this week, we wanted to talk about um, a pretty important aspect, especially in these days, um, for for local tracks and being able to uh, get their product out there and and uh, keep the doors open, keep cars uh, coming to the racetrack, um, and also uh, keeping their fans entertained. And that is um, uh, some tracks um, filming their events and then streaming them online, streaming them on their website. Um, and using that as a means of um, you know, trying to keep some, some money coming in and trying to keep the doors open. Um, so there's been some, um, uh, some newsworthy events uh, that have happened uh, out of this and uh, some tracks that are more notable about um, doing uh, this kind of streaming than others. So uh, with that, let's, um, let's kind of open up and let's, let's talk about um, what this is, who does it, um, and what the, what the benefits are. Um, so David, you want to start with that? Thank you, Elliot. And m- most certainly I I've got to say that the news came out this week. There's a racetrack up near in between Ryan and I up near Rochester, uh, Canandaigua, New York. It's now called land of legends speedway. And they announced this year when COVID hit, they couldn't have fans and they did some racing and they did a streaming with their own production and they had, you had to pay for it. I think it was like 15 bucks a race or that. Well, they got enough advertisement that they announced all events except the super dirt cars um, series events, which are world racing group are going to be free. So I think that's really good for them. I'm going to watch some events on their list this year. I'm going to create an account. You know, if I got a Saturday night to kill, I'll, you know, not doing much. I'll watch some. But I like the idea. I like I like the streaming. I think that's good. I'm glad Canadagua found a way to do it. I know a lot of these tracks you have to pay and it gives them revenue, but if they can figure out a way to get sponsorships, I think that'll be good. I mean, the, the one thing that bothers me about like the dirt pass dirt, um, dirt vision is that you have to pay $40 a month to watch like the world of outlaws or the world of late mile outlaw late miles the sprints the late miles the modifieds go go to these local tracks however you can they put them in the vault you have a free account and you can watch it for free after they post so 
I mean, I I think streaming's going to be a way, especially with um, a lot of the main series starting to do streaming platforms. I think these local tracks are going to do it. They can get their fans. I just think they just got. I I I think the the main concern now is going to be cost. What are you going to charge? And if you overcharge, you're going to lose viewership. If you undercharge. Yeah, you probably gained some more, but there's people who aren't gonna want to pay out there. So, I I think they're gonna. Ha- I I think they need to take a lesson from Canada. Find a way to do advertising. Maybe say big events. Yes, you're gonna have to pay, but the rest of the year, hey, it's free. Ryan, you got some thoughts? Yeah, I got to tell you, the first time I heard about that was it was actually big enough that it made the rounds on the local news in my area. And first thing I thought was that's actually a rather brilliant idea. And I really hope, you know, more tracks follow this as long as it's successful. And for the clear fact that it was successful, I really hope that this is the inspiration that many of the other small tracks across the region and the country can follow in their leadership showing, Hey, this is actually a viable solution. Like, especially, you know, in certain states where you can't have, you know, capacity crowds at these events, you can go, hey, we, you want to watch this race, but you can't make it in because it's already sold out. Here you go. Come right to our website, pay the same fee that you would to get uh, entry fee into the race itself, and you can watch the events as if you were there. And depending on camera placement, sometimes you can find yourself with a much better view than you would up in the grandstand. So if, like you said, Dave, if handled properly and they make sure to charge a proper price, not too high, not too low, I see this as being a real boom to the small track racing business and could definitely be the way of the future. Indeed. Elliot? Um, I agree with both of you. I think done right. Um, it can be um, a boon to race tracks, um, and depending on the arrangement, uh, maybe even race teams as well. But uh, one thing that needs to uh, kind of be kept in focus is um, how some of these uh, streaming arrangements uh, may have an impact with the uh, parent sanctioning body uh, that may run primarily at um, the, uh, the given racetrack. A great example of this is a, um, a track uh, not too far away from my hometown, um, the, uh, the legendary Stafford Motor Speedway in Connecticut, um, who for uh, almost 40 years have run under the NASCAR Weekly um, banner. But um, because of disagreements over how to uh, disperse uh, streaming revenue, um, Stafford Motor Speedway moved away from the, uh, the NASCAR weekly um, uh, uh, sanctioning agreement and are running events themselves this year. Um, and they have an, a, 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 an arrangement with the race teams that, um, that race at their track that 25% of all the revenue um, gets uh, split up and, and dispersed to, uh, to the teams. Um, and I guess with the arrangement that NASCAR was trying to push, 
um, that just wasn't, the numbers weren't going to work. And so um, what ended up uh, being the, the item that could be replaced ended up being NASCAR. Um, and it was something that, uh, you know, they didn't want to have to do, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day to make the numbers work, that's what they had to do. Um, and so there, uh, there's some, some money that's going to be lost in terms of, uh, points funds and things like that. Um, but the track turned around and said, we're going to make up for, um, uh, for those monies lost. So, uh, the, the race teams will still see, um, the, uh, the money there, um, in these, these funds, um, at, uh, at the end of the season. Um, and in the interim, uh, they still have the, um, uh, their streaming and they still have the, um, uh, the team still have the, the money that comes in from that. Um, so, uh, put, you know, all those things put together, um, from the, uh, ad admittedly the little bit that I, I, uh, read about it, um, uh, and there's a, a good article here, uh, that was written December 21st by, um, Sean Corchesny. Um, of Race Day, Connecticut. Um, and Sean, I know uh, from uh, way back in the day, the late 90s, early 2000s, he's, he's covered the, uh, the racing beat in uh, New England and Connecticut, especially for a very long time. Um, and um, he was interviewing some drivers up there and um, they, uh, um, the comments were generally positive um, towards um, what the, um, what the Arut family, uh, Mark Arut et al, um, uh, chose to do, uh, on behalf of the Speedway. Um, and, um, you know, while they lamented not having some of the prestige of, uh, having, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the NASCAR banner, um, to, to race under this year, um, they're also very happy to still see that money coming in. So, um, so there is that as well. I don't know if their, um, their streaming is, is free or if you have to pay for it. Um, but, um, either way, um, you know, like, like y'all talked about with some, some other tracks, you know, where they're free, they're going to, uh, try and use advertising revenue or what have you to, um, uh, to make up for it. Um, but there's also this other part about how, those monies get distributed uh, between the tracks, sanctioning bodies, teams, et cetera. Um, and so, especially in this day and age where so much of your revenue is going to come from streaming, uh, is going to come from people watching your events outside of track property uh, because of uh, COVID and the response to it. Um, and so those are things that are going to need to um, work themselves out. Um, and, you know, as we've seen in, in Stafford's case, uh, sometimes, um, you know, there's, there's uh, longstanding relationships that, um, you know, unfortunately can't uh, survive uh, a disagreement like this. And so we'll see what happens on the other side of it. But, um, but, there is uh, that um, that piece to it as well uh, is how tracks interact with sanctioning bodies and everybody. 
Well said, and it, it, it will be interesting to see how things come out with, with the streaming platform. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure we're going to be touching back on this in, in later episodes, especially from a business standpoint as the season gets rolling. So it'll be, it'll be interesting this year. Yeah. It so, certainly will. Yep. Yeah. Um, but um, here again, uh, we have um, another green flag about to come out um, in more ways than one uh, this coming weekend. Looking forward to it. Um, and we will be back to record another episode uh, uh, this next week. Um, it'll be our 10th episode. Uh, so thank you everybody that's, uh, that's listened, uh, and downloaded our podcast. Um, please, uh, send us some feedback, what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of, um, on our, uh, our social media channels and, um, thank you for listening. And so, um, for, uh, for myself, uh, uh thank you for listening and, um, we'll catch you on another episode of From Checker to Green. Same here. Thank you for listening, everybody. Keep the feedback. Thank you for all the downloads. We're going to have a great year, and we're going to keep rolling with the episodes. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, we appreciate all of you out there. Thanks for hearing what we have to say. We'll see you on the next round. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast.